You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It's The Big Show in the morning, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. My name is Matt Rose. In the other room is Patty DeMond, Alex Brody, George Russick. I'll be back on Monday. A little tickle in his throat today. Sounded like Pharrell on the bench. So, uh... Pour one out for him, Kenny. Can't top him up there, but um... Uh, but Georgie will be back on Monday. Uh, we'll have some fun tonight. Uh, maybe you'll be going down to the Dome, catch the Hitmen and the Tigers, or maybe you're just going to be tearing it up on the town, or maybe you're just going to stay inside because it's cold. It, yeah. And I hate it out there. It is warming up as much as it can warm up. Mm-hmm. Just overnight is was really bad. But I think it's supposed to get like minus six or something like that. Minus, maybe a little Promise? Late. Maybe tomorrow. I can handle minus six. Maybe tomorrow. Minus 22 and your face hurts, and I, and I got Patty texting me going, woof. The weather outside <laughs> is indeed frightful. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, it's more of minus five. Okay. We'll work oh, with that's it. We'll work, we'll work with it. Uh, yesterday, the Calgary Flames falls to the Montreal Canadiens, two to one. Um, disappointing, for sure, because that's a game you should have had. Uh-huh. The Habs, yeah, having a better year, I would say, but they're still the Habs. The team that came into yesterday's game uh, well, above 500 at well, 11. They're on the same oh, points at as 11, the 10, and 1. Um, they just play in that really good Atlantic division, and being 500 just isn't good enough there. Whereas in the Pacific, well, basically, it, it's kind of close enough. As the Flames are now 10, 10, and 3, Canadians come in, they get a couple of plucky goals, they take advantage of a couple of gaffes by goaltender Jake Markstrom. The Flames unable to pour in any offense, really. They get the one goal from Elias Lindholm, but need a lot more, especially when you are able to fire 46 shots on net. Some of those, get you got to find a way to beat the goaltender. After the game, Jacob Markstrom was um, hard on himself, right? A little bit. Nothing really. I just suck at hockey right now. And the thing is, Goaltenders go up and down. Mm-hmm. You know they're volatile. Is the one word I always use. It's like a pitcher in baseball. One year they're up and they're a Vizna candidate, and the next year don't look like they know how to play the sport. Sometimes, and there are instances where this will go on for a whole year. Sometimes it'll go on for a half a year. Like yeah. Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell was a Vesna caliber goaltender through the first half of the season last year. Don't get it twisted. That is a fact. And then fell off an absolute cliff. And we all know what happened since then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can well document it how his season's going up in Edmonton. Over in Vancouver, Thatcher Demko. A lot of people thought he was going to come in and win the Vezina. I think the only goaltender that people thought was going to be good this year and is actually very good is Ilya Sorokin. There yeah. were questions about Connor Hellebuck after he wasn't very good last year. But now look at him coming back and have an amazing season again. And then apart from that, I think people were looking at Shesterkin has struggled. Soros yeah. has struggled. To, and granted, these are to their usual very lofty standards. These guys have struggled. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky, I would throw in there. Markstrom, I would throw in there. And apart from that, how many other bona fide number one tenders are there in this league? Not a whole lot. You know, you can probably I, count them on two hands. Yeah. Or at least guys you'd be comfortable with. Like, listen, Linus Olmark and Vitek Vanacek have some unbelievable numbers this year. But are you catching lightning in a bottle? Like, 
by all means, it's good to have those guys for a season when they're playing well. You got to take advantage of those times, like Jacob Markstrom did last year. The guy had nine shutouts last season. Yeah. But up until this point, we have not seen a game where Jacob Markstrom has gone in and stolen it. Yesterday, Jake Allen went in and stole that game. But when you're paying a goaltender like Jacob Markstrom, what you are, you would expect that he goes in and, and at least steals you know, one or two by this point in the season, and that has yet been the case. This isn't my original thought. I actually saw it on the text line earlier uh-huh. on this week. And it, sure. It, somebody mentioned, I don't know, you remember that? I don't know. It's just, a, it's a weird thought. And uh, George brought it up. He's been bringing it up with like from save percentage since March of last year. Mm-hmm. Not great. Uh-huh. Like, you remember that Buffalo-Calgary game at the Dome in March? Yeah, that was... The Markstrom gaff. Buffalo wins one nothing in overtime. That was texted in when we were talking that's, about that's, Jacob Markstrom, and I I'm said that was, the, that. that was the only bad goal I thought he had last year. That was the only one that I said could come to mind. Yeah. It just feels like ever since then, it's just been, I don't know. And then there's been more, like, I don't know if you need sports psychologist. I know, like, something mentally's not there. Because, like, obviously, physically, I think he's healthy. I don't think there's an injury there. It's just... No simple things. It's like you, you battle the yips in baseball. The guys exactly. can't make the throw to the fir- throw to first. A catcher can't, you know, get a guy out at second. It's simple things like that. He's just got to get back into the rink, work with uh, with the goaltending coaches. Maybe I don't know. It, it, goalies are a fragile, fragile bunch. We know that they are also they they can be, you know, they're weird. They're weird creatures of habit for mm-hmm. sure. And it's 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 tough seeing uh, a guy say like say something like that last night. It's shocking. It is. It's, it's a professional jarring. athlete saying, I suck at my sport right now. And frankly, and he's, he's there, are more, there are more guys that should say that more often. You're damn right. Not necessarily on this team, but just across sports in general. We've seen it. Like the goalies that have come through here in the past, Pat loves saying like goalies in this past year under tree living, they haven't been held accountable. They're like, mm. oh, it's not me. It's the team guys in front of me. Well, there was one guy in particular. Oh, yeah. He was pretty good at that. But. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, but no, Markstrom like, is that guy. He's the first goalie I've really, you know, that's come out and said something like that. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's shocking. It's, it's a little worrisome for sure. Oops. Sorry. So I don't know. It, it's, if it is, if it means watching Vladar for a little bit, so be it. But it's, it's a lot of it has to get done in the practice rink. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And one of the positives for me would be that the Flames do have Dan Vladar playing quite well. Doing pretty good right now. And when you look up the road, Stuart Skinner, who's kind of been taken over, has wins in three of his last four games, but he only has save percentage above 900 in one of those contests. Allowed four on 25, three on 28, five on 28, and three on 34 against the Vegas Golden Knights back on the 19th of November. Three wins out of those four games, so he's getting the results, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's the goaltending that's instilling a lot of confidence in the Oilers and in really their fan base. You look over in Vancouver, Thatcher Demko, struggling this year. Now he's hurt, too. Spencer Martin, it's been fine, right? He yeah. hasn't been great. Like There's but just I- instances around the NHL. Like Another one with, with Igor Shosturkin. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I think he was struggling early on in the year is because they bring in Yaro Halak to be his backup, and Halak couldn't mid-stop a beach ball in the first two weeks of the season. So all of a sudden, if you're Igor Shosturkin, you're going, okay, I just came off of Vezna, deep playoff run to the Eastern Conference Final. 
hopefully I won't have to play as many games if we got because we got this more competent backup in, and he wasn't. So yep. now he's playing more games and he's putting more pressure on himself and maybe slipping a bit. The yep. thing that the Flames do have going for them is Dan Vladar is playing pretty well right now. So if if you have to give Jacob Markstrom a little bit of time off and yeah. hand the ball to number 80 and say, hey, we might ask for this ball back in a couple of weeks, but right now, run with it. Go and play. Let's yeah, see what it, you can do. It, I know, it, it we signed you to the extension. Mm-hmm. Doesn't kick until next year. But the, the next, we, need, we need you to go right now. I think that over the next couple weeks here, finishing up this road trip, getting back on the road is going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to find out a lot about this club mm. over the next two weeks here. They're losing ground. You know, like you're going to be, right now, you're probably fighting for a wild card spot for sure. I mean, maybe you get into that third spot in the in the Pacific. But right now, I think these next two weeks, looking at the standings, looking at the schedule, we'll we'll know a lot about this team here after that next Eastern road trip. So after the loss, Jacob Markstrom, he says, "Hmm, hmm." We can just turn my burly on too. I just suck at hockey right now. There we go. Just suck at hockey right now. So we're asking on the text line nine sixty nine sixty. What do you suck at? What do you suck at right now? Oh, you got some good ones. You got some good ones coming in here. Have you, I, hey, do you suck at anything right now, Patty Duma? Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of things, I think. But You I and I get, suck at? Yeah, what do you suck at? I suck at keeping my naps tight. See, I can't even nap, See, so here's I suck the thing. at naps. A nap has to be an hour and a half or two hours. Anything over that and you get groggy. And anything between two and four hours, that's no man's land. You're sewered if you're in there. This is my personal opinion. Four hours past, that's asleep. So you're fine. As long as you can get past four hours, that's asleep. You can get asleep in anytime you go on. But right, we roll five and a half usually every night. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. right? That's asleep. Yeah. As long as I get four, that's asleep. If I if I look at the clock and I'm like, oh, I get three hours of sleep here, I'm like, this is going to be awful. Oh, I'm going to feel so bad when I wake up. But anyways, I suck at getting up the alarm. This week, it has been awful. I've been sleeping for three hours, two and a half hours, and waking up and just feeling messed up. So that's what I suck at right now. The alarm. I'm hitting snooze a lot on this morning alarm, too. Uh, Let's see here. We're getting some on the text line. (laughs) Name and location. If you want some tickets. We got tickets for you. For the Arizona Coyotes came as the Yotes. Are going to be in town, former Pacific Division rival, big time rival, big time rival. <laughs> um, they're going to be playing here in Calgary on is that Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, okay. Monday, seven o'clock start, and we're going to be giving away a little bit of tickets a little bit later on. So yeah, name and location as well if you feel so inclined. Uh, this one says I suck at sucking back darts. And one signed George. Yep, yeah. uh, Tyler and Drum Heller. I suck it. Oh, that's too bad. I suck at not being a boozer. Oh, that's too bad. Tyler, keep your head up. There we go. Maybe he's just got to try what he's drinking. Change what, change up what he's drinking. I don't know. You know what, Tyler? My recommendation? Mix in a water. Yeah. Make you feel a lot better. You'll it's go so longer. Ma- so many different assets. So many different aspects, not assets. <laughs> we get a lot of I suck at fantasy. And yeah, you probably do. Um... This one from Chad. I suck at calling my mom. That's a good one. 
See, this is one of the uh, on Sunday. I have like a list of people that I like to call and text and just check in, okay. make sure they're doing well. Old friends. Uh, my grandparents are on that list because there was a time where like I'd see them and then it would be like, oh, they would call me and I'd be like, oh, what's up? And I'd be like, well, you haven't called in three or four weeks. Like, are are you still alive? Are you doing okay? Now I do that a little bit better. So call your mom this weekend. Call her. Say hi. What's going on? You staying warm, mom? Hope so. This one from Brett in Calgary. I suck at proactive Christmas shopping. Here's the problem, Brett. I'm not going to give you the tickets because that's an excuse. You have time to change. You can be proactive Christmas shopping today, tomorrow. You got, you got 23 you could, more days here. You could Christmas shop for the next 10 days, and I would call that proactive Christmas shopping. Because there's going to be somebody still that hasn't done it on December 24th, and they're panicking. Oh, yeah. I so. think, you know, if you're getting like three, four, five days... Before the big day, because what is it this week, this year? We're going to get it. Oh, it's on a Sunday, too. Yeah, we got full Saturday of it. So I'm going to call it 19th. Is that your cutoff? If you start on 19th, you are not being proactive. So you have two weeks, Ty, uh, Brett and Calgary, and I recommend to start your Christmas shopping. If you can, hmm? go at night. Sure. Go at night. It's not as stressful. There's less people. I'm more of a daytime guy. You like the you, I, I I like getting the stuff done at the day, especially during the week. Mm-hmm. But if it's you know if I didn't have to get up early, right after nap time, that's when I do all my stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So Brett, you got time to change, brother. You got time to change. This one uh, from Chris and Cochran. I suck at cheering for sports teams. Poor Chris is a Flames, Packers, Stamps, Wales, and Team Canada fan. A little down here in Green Bay for sure. <laughs> The only team there that is not having a, yeah, well, even the Stamps are up and down. Yeah, the Stamps, they're in transition for the Stamps. That's a good club. You pick Team Canada and Wales who really weren't expected to do anything in the World Cup. Like, it could be worse. And the Flames are up and down every second year, it seems. So it's... it's, It could be way worse, Chris and Cochran. You could be like... Be a Leafs fan. You could be like a... You could be like a Ducks fan. Yeah. Senators fan. Uh, Senators fan... You could be you could be a big Kanye guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you could be a big fan of right now that are not things that you want to be a fan of. A large fan of. Mm. Uh, Brenton High River, I suck at working in 20-degree weather. Minus 20-degree weather. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we all shut down. and like, there's, a, there's a temperature threshold. You just... After five minutes, I gotta get the hell inside. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm pretty soft. I mean, we're we we work in radio. Uh, yeah, our hands are our hands are not calloused at all. No, no, uh, I got a little bit of a callus right here on my ring, uh, my middle finger, but it's just because that's where, and it's not bad right now, but it's where the the golf grip kind of oh, just wears on on, on the palm yeah. of my hand. Yeah, I get a little bit of a callus there when I'm in season. It's kind of painful. Ooh. Yeah, so that's the only one, but. I would never go out minus 20 to work. Uh, you all are very brave and, and way better men than oh I. Oh, my God. Maybe, yeah. Way better people than I, men and women. Full, full credit to the to the folks working outside in this weather. Rodrigo in Coventry Hills. I suck at getting to work at time lately. Uh, <laughs> I sleep in, and then there's Deerfoot, and then, of course, I have car trouble uh, back to Deerfoot, and then I'll probably sprinkle in a little bit about my kids were sick, too. So oh, that's that's that's, that's good. That's I a, like, yeah. like. That, the best part of working here in the morning is you avoid the traffic. It's great. And I would hate working downtown. At like, oh, you start at 8, that deer foot, and then there's an accident on it earlier. So there's been some issues there. Yeah, oh, so I- like 
what what do you take to get in? Are you crow child or deer foil? I go crow child. So do you like laugh at all the traffic going the opposite direction as you leave work at nine a.m.? You like laugh and point you, you, and by <laughs> nine o'clock it's usually uh, it's just a lot of volume. It's yeah. not a lot of like crow child doesn't really get the whole uh, the gridlock like you get on Deerfoot and and whatnot because mm-hmm. it's fully flowing and Deerfoot is fully flowing, but there's just more vehicles on it. But crow child's pretty good. Coming home, at, leaving here at like if you were, if you were working the afternoon show and you were heading home at like six o'clock, heading northbound on Crowchild sucked because of the the bottom the over going over mm. the river and going past the stadium. But then after you pass twenty fourth, there's no lights, so you're all good. I don't think I've slept in for work for like a year, which is pretty good for me. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's a good number. Uh, good street going, like one of those accident signs at a warehouse job. It's it's been three hundred and sixty five <laughs> days since Matt slept in for work. Um, this one says I suck at pogs. The slammer gets me every time. Um, Brody, pogs were like uh, they're like these little discs, and you take the slammer and you slam them down on the. They were basically like Beyblades before Beyblades. Ooh. If you're looking for kind of like a. A comparison to a fun game where you could collect stuff, and it was played a lot in school back in the day. A lot of fun. I wonder how many people still play Pogs. You think they sell Pogs? I don't know. I assume that they still sell them. They're like a collector. Have my soul back. I'll do anything you want. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Millhouse, give him back his soul. I've got work tomorrow. I'm really sorry. I kind of traded your soul to the guy at the comic book store. But look, I got some cool pogs. Elf pogs. Remember Elf? He's back in pog form. <laughs> That's pogs. That's, yeah, I do remember pogs. Good thing that Elf is back and he's back in <laughs> pog <Okay>. form. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. Uh, after uh, we had all the fun returns this week, Sean Monahan returning, Matthew Kachuk returning, uh, Johnny Gaudreau texts in. He says, I suck at making promises. That one from old number 13. I think uh, Guy and Jane texted in, no, too. No, I'm not reading that one. No? I'm, okay. I'm not going after no? his parents. Right. That is not. Okay. I'm, I can be better than that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> Jesse and Martelope, I suck at putting garbage bags on the garbages. That's. I'm sorry for that, bro. That's like um, the fitted sheet conundrum, right? That's a tough one. Uh, listen. We got to take a break. I got a whole bunch more texts to get to. This has been a lot of fun. We're going to get to more of them before the show ends, but we got heaps of guests coming up. Jeff Blair, Jeff Blair, Jeff Blair. Jeff Blair is going to join us around the corner. We're going to talk a little bit of footy and baseball. Peter Labardius and Joe Beninati also coming up on the program. And tell us what you suck at. 960-960. Sports at 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It is the big show in the morning. George Russick and Matt Rose. Russick off today. My name is Matt Rose. We got Patty Dumas and Alex Brody joining me in the other room for this morning's show. We're about midway through. Peter Labardius and Joe Beninati still going to join the program. Talk a little Flames and Capitals before we hit nine o'clock. But right now, really excited to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to speak with our next guest, Jeff Blair, the co-host of Kick in the Grass, as well as Blair and Barker. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking some time today. No worries, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I got no complaints. Apparently, it's supposed to get warmer here in Calgary this weekend, and that's, uh, you know what, that makes me a happy man. Um, but if you're a Canadian footy fan, yesterday might have been a tough day. Maybe a little bit of 
reality, perhaps um, a, a cold dose of reality. What did you make of how Canada went about this uh, 2022 World Cup? Yeah, I think you, uh, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, a, a very, very cold dose of reality. I mean, I would argue everything pretty much went downhill after that penalty kick uh, in the Belgium game. You know, I listen. I I understand it's Canada's first World Cup in a generation. Um, you know, I understand that you know FIFA rankings don't matter. Um, you know, it's it's how good you are in the day, and there's a whole thing about tournament football and how you build up. But I I understand all of that. H- having said that, I yeah, I'm not a big fan of just happy to be there mm-hmm. or just happy to be here. What I saw in the World Cup from Canada really concerned me because I saw a team that, you know, yes, the final uh, the final half against Morocco is a very good team, what was fine, but I saw a team that didn't progress during the tournament. I think you can make a case that it got worse during the tournament. I saw a team that was exposed in terms of its uh, depth badly badly exposed mm. in terms of depth. Uh, I saw a team that surprised me with its lack of tactical awareness. And I guess the most, probably the most depressing thing, or I guess the most concerning thing, if you are a Canadian footy fan, is look at what the other CONCACAF teams did. Look at the teams that went into this tournament that were not as good as you. In, in CONCACAF, the Americans, they've got more depth in Canada. They are, frankly, a better team. Do they have an Alfonso Davies? Their top players probably aren't on the same level as Alfonso Davies on his day, but I would argue that at just about every other level, they're equal to or superior than Canada. Mexico should have advanced. How they didn't win their, their group stage match, their last group stage match is mind-boggling. It had chance after chance after chance. And Costa Rica uh, redeemed themselves after that embarrassing start. So mm-hmm. really, the Canadian team is the only CONCACAF team in this tournament that I think people think less of at the end of the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. People think more of the Americans. People are impressed with Costa Rica. And, you know, Mexico is Mexico. Mexico generally gets into the round of 16, and they, they should have done it once again. So I, I think it was a real reality check for Canada soccer and, and maybe a bit of a reality check for John Herdman as well, because uh, I think John Herdman knew that the weakness of this team going into the World Cup was its back line, which just isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's too old. It's too slow. Um, you know, Alistair, it, 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 it's got a couple of it's got a couple of guys in the wing positions who are who are going to be really good players the next time in the next World Cup rolls around. But Canada's in desperate need of depth defensively. I think John Herdman thought they may have had that. And that was really exposed. And, and I mean, they got, a, they got a ton of work to do ahead of the 2026 World Cup. They really do. Is John Herdman the guy to do that work <laughs> up till 26? Yeah, I, I don't think, first of all, I don't think Canada soccer has any choice mm. um, simply because you know, Kansas soccer's got a ton of stuff to do here. I have no confidence, no confidence that as an organization, they're up to, um, 
preparing this team for the 2026 World Cup. Um, I mean, Canada soccer, and when I say Canada soccer, I'm talking about the administrative arm, Canada soccer. It's really been amateur hour at Canada soccer. You know, the point mm-hmm. was made by was was made by Stephen Brunt when Canada qualified that, you know, John Herdman's ready for it. The players are ready for it. Is Canada soccer ready for it? Well, you know, look at the stuff that went on in and around the qualifying, right? There was the whole issue of image rights with Alfonso Davies. Now, that's something that every country has to deal with. That's a, an amazingly complex legal issue. And it's a real issue when you have a guy like Alfonso Davies who plays in a popular team. I mean, Alfonso Davies' jersey sales, he's one of the top 10 selling jerseys in the Bundesliga in Germany, which is a massive economy. So you've got a guy who is, uh, you know, in the constellation of stars playing with a bunch of guys who are household names only in their own household. So image rights are, image rights are a big deal. Canada soccer wasn't ready for that. Of course, there was a the whole issue of pay equity with the Canadian men's and women's program. There were issues surrounding transportation, logistics. I mean, God, they didn't get it. They didn't get a kit. They didn't get a new uniform for the World Cup. And that sounds silly, I guess. But you know what? That's where you make money, right? Because mm-hmm. fans want to buy your new kit. And there was, there, was, there was about a month and a half to two months in Canada where you literally could not buy a Canada jersey. I mean, you couldn't. So that is what really concerns me because my concern is the approach is going to be, hey, we've already qualified for 2026. So let's kind of figure out how we can save a little bit of money here and there and maybe you know, do this instead of that because we're, we know we're in for sure and it's going to be a cash cow once we're in. And I just don't think Canada soccer has enough. Um, I, I don't think it has enough administrative depth right now to do what needs to be done to get this team ready. Like, I'm sorry, we can't play any more friendlies against Curacao or, or Bermuda, hmm. <laughs> right? That doesn't prepare you for facing Croatia. I mean, there's yeah. a reason we haven't beat a European country, I think, in seven years. And part of the reason is we just don't play them. We spend all our time, you know, futzing around with playing the minnows in CONCACAF and kind of tell ourselves that, oh, this is good because it, imp- it drags up our world rankings if we can beat somebody 6-1 or 5-1 or 5, you know, 5-0. Rather do that than play somebody who, you know, maybe we're going to lose or, or maybe the best case scenario for us is a draw. And that's something Canada soccer has got to do. They've got to start getting matches against quality opposition specifically opposition from the from AFCON, from the African uh, Federation, and from UEFA. They just they, they absolutely have to do that. Jeff and Blair. That costs money. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Got to invest in it too, right? Jeff Blair joining us here really? on, on the big show in the morning. Russick and Rose. Russick away. My name is Matt. He's Patty Dumas. Jeff, uh, we, there's not a lot of trust going around right now with Canada soccer. We know the, with the whole Canada soccer business and and then the the, the the streaming rights with One Soccer and all that. Like, can this organization be trusted over the next four years? We're gonna have games in this country. Like, it just it just doesn't feel good. I don't feel confident with this group right now, even with the talent now, that's around. Yeah, listen, that that's that that is my other takeaway. Uh, from this, when you when you see the level of competition, and you know, and, and again, we have to keep in mind this tournament was played is being played at a different time than usual, and, mm-hmm. and that factors into a lot of things. But 
No, confidence. I, I got no confidence in in Canada soccer as it's currently as it's currently constituted. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I can't put this any other way. Other countries spend a ton of money on their national programs, especially men. Uh, countries, more countries now are spending a ton of money in their women's programs too, which is good. But it, it's you're, it's at a completely different level when you're talking about. Um, when you're talking about men's soccer, it's the most popular sport in the world. It's a big money sport. Every country plays it. It's not hockey. It's not basketball. You know, you're not seeing any Connor McDavid jerseys being sold in Morocco, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're, you're, you, you will see Alfonso Davies jerseys sold there. You're not seeing any Connor McDavid jerseys. I, I just don't, I, I don't think, I think maybe Canadians, the good thing about this tournament is Canadians are looking at this now and going, holy cow. This really is something. And I'm talking about recent soccer fans. Mm-hmm. They're looking at this and going, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> there's some really good small countries with really good teams. Why is that? Well, because they spend a lot of money in their, on their men's programs. And, and I think Canada soccer has never really been able to wrap its head around the fact that this is a big country, and it's really spread out. Yep. It's not Belgium. Right? It's hard and it takes a lot of effort to identify good Canadian soccer players. It, I mean, it just does. It's harder to do that in Canada than it is in just about any other country in the world because of where our population is, because of how spread out it is. Because, frankly, there's, just, there, there's, there's not that many of us, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're spread out all over the place. And I think I, I may have told Matt and... and um, and George this a little earlier, but I think it begs, you know, it's, it's, it's good to repeat. I remember talking to John Herdman at the Olympics after Canada won their bronze medal. And he said, you know, what keeps me up at night, what keeps me up at night is knowing that there is a girl in Regina who may be the best, has the potential to be the best player we've ever produced. She has the potential to be the next, the next Christine Sinclair. Yeah. And we're not going to get her because at 14 or 15, she's going to decide to do something else because there's just no route, right? There's, yep. there's no route for us to find her and for her to develop. And, man, that, that's, that's a big task. And, yeah, Canada soccer, Canada soccer's got up its game. Like, it's got to become more professional. You know, this isn't uh, – I, I mean, this isn't, this isn't your provincial soccer organization. Exactly. It's like being president of the Ontario Soccer Association shouldn't necessarily mean that you're going to move up in CSA rankings. Yeah. No, you got to know what you're doing. You got to be a pro. And that's that's really what that really scares me about Canada soccer because I've got I've seen nothing that suggests they were ready for this. Mm-hmm. And that suggests to me that a whole lot of work is going to have to be done to be ready for 2026. Now, what can maybe the domestic leagues in in Canada and and the United States help the Canadian program like MLS and CPL? What can they do more to develop talent in this country? Cuz the CPL Four years in there, or entering their fifth year here now, you know, they had Joel Waterman on the Canada squad would have been the first CPL player to be in that. But what more can the domestic leagues in our on between Canada and the U.S. do for the for the Canadian soccer program? I don't think there's anything. I mean, I don't think there's anything else they can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, the CPL it's a it's a good league. It's smart. It's well run. Um, you know, the we have the, the Forge FC in Hamilton here. They're a big yep. deal. You know, I've got friends in Winnipeg. Calvary's big who are, here. Calvary's big in Calgary. Yep. Exactly. It, it, it's a league that knows what it's doing. And you're starting to see, 
you're starting to see players come out of that league and go to MLS and then to the national program, right? That's, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's realistic to expect players to go immediately from the Canadian league right up to, to be no. playing and to be starting for Canada internationally. But I think that league is doing, that league is doing really well. It's got its, you know, its feet are on the ground. Um, it's identifying some young Canadian players. I uh, and 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 MLS, you know, MLS is a business. With, with all due respect to Canada Soccer, Toronto FC's first job is to fill BMO Field and mm-hmm. you know win win MLS. It's 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 nice if it develops players for Canada, but that's not necessarily its goal. Yeah. And I, I want to go a step further, and I would say that if Canada really wants to progress. It's got to get players out of MLS and the CPL. It's got to start. Bingo. Exactly. If there's something good coming out of this tournament, it's the fact that a a guy like Alistair Johnson will probably end up going to Celtic. Mm -hmm. That's good that he's going to be playing at a bigger club. And it's not just he's going to be playing in a bigger domestic league, but it's also he's going to be training with better players. Um, You know, he's going to be playing friendlies against better European club opposition. That's what has to happen. Yeah, and Celtic you know, gets you know European spots because they're one of the best in Scotland, so they'll have better t- chances to play bigger clubs down in, in continental Europe for sure. A- absolutely, you know you're seeing guys like and it, and it doesn't even have to be the big five. You know Sam Atakuba, yeah. Turkey. Turkey, Turkey's a terrifically. I mean, it is. You play in Turkey and you, I mean, you know, you learn a lot about yourself, and you're playing against top Atiba quality knows. competition. Absolutely, and and that is that's what has to happen. You know, with all due respect to MLS. And, and and the Canadian and the Canadian Premier League, um, we need to see more of our guys going overseas. We need to see Ishma- we need to see Ishmael Kone playing in Spain or Italy, right? Yeah. We need we need more of that. And the thing, and again, this gets back to Canada soccer. What happens when players go overseas, though, is it becomes more expensive to bring him back and play for the national program to put them up for a month, right? Yep. When, when, when you're, or whatever, when you're playing a friendly, it costs more in terms of transportation, it costs more in terms of accommodation. You know, you, you, you're at, you're at risk of the player being hurt and having to, you know, now having to get into an issue with the club team. And that's why I keep getting back to this. If the more Canadian players that are based in Europe or in Africa, or in Turkey, or wherever, the easier it is to play friendlies, right? If you've got nine players based in Europe, it's a whole hell of a lot easier to gather them in Lisbon and play a friendly against Portugal than it is to bring them all back to Canada from wherever the hell they were, get them together, fly them down to, you know, pick a country, El Salvador, fly them back from there to Canada. So that 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 is hugely, hugely, hugely important. Jeff Blair joining us here on the big show with Russick and Rose, Russick and Wade today. Uh, Jeff, great stuff on the footy. Ask you to uh, flip off the the football hat and throw on the baseball hat for just a moment as uh, sure. earlier this week, Don Mattingly hired as the bench coach, bench coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Just a thought on uh, this move as a little bit of a support for John Schneider. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, most of the time, or at least back in the day, the bench coach was kind of the manager's drinking buddy. Right? You were the guy that uh, you were the guy that had the manager's back. Yeah, you know, you were the guy that the manager could talk to about you know, what the hell's going on with this coach, or 
you know, you're the guy the manager could vent to about the front office. And I can't believe what these clowns are doing. Um, I mean, every, every coach, every manager that I've been around has that guy in his staff, right? And I don't know if John Schneider has that guy. And I don't think it's Don Mattingly. Um, it, it's an interesting hire because there's no connection between Don Mattingly, as far as we can tell, and anybody in the Blue Jays organization, other than guys like Adam Simber, you know, and, and Jimmy Garcia, who played with him, uh, or I'm sorry, who, who, who played for him. There's no connection. Like, it's almost like he was headhunted by the Blue Jays. Now, having said that, um, man, I wish he was still playing because he would single-handedly answer all the questions the Jays have about their lineup. But having said that, you know, here's a guy who had a borderline Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy who walked more than he struck out. He would be the perfect type of hitter for the Blue Jays. And I've got to think, you know, one of the stories that really didn't get talked about last season was the fact that Dante Bichette wasn't around the team. And I know from talking to a lot of players that they really, they loved having Dante around. You know, a guy like Randall Gritchick, who wasn't with the team, he loved having Dante around because here's a guy who hit a ton of home runs in the majors. And, and there's still a thing, I think, with young athletes. Young athletes are smart enough now. They can go online and look at what a dude did as a player. And, and then when, the, when he's being talked to or when he's talking to you as a coach, you're sort of filtering all that information through – you know, the the prism of Jesus, this is a guy that hit 300 home runs, so I better yeah. listen to him. And, and I think for that reason, Don Mattingly will be, help, be a big help. The other thing, I think John Schneider, I think the moment got a little too big for him in that game against Seattle, which is understandable because he's still a young, a young manager. He hasn't managed in a game that important, that big. And, I mean, the one thing about Don Mattingly is he's been there and done that. And, you know, he'll be a guy, I think, that John Schneider – will be able to, in the middle of the game, say, okay, what would you do here, right? You know, good managers know how to do that. Every, every now and then you got to say, all right, what would you do here? And now he's talking to a guy who's got, what, 12 years as a manager, mm-hmm. managed in L.A., managed the Marlins. He's managed overpaid, older players, great young players. I mean, he's done everything as a manager, plus he's played all those games. So I think, I think John Schneider now has a guy beside him who will be able to give him advice in those big minutes and also, I think a guy that some of the the more elite hitters on the team mm-hmm. are going to talk to. The first first player, first player to call Don Mattingly when he was hired was Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. So I think that tells you something. Yeah, certainly does. Uh, Jeff, great stuff today as always, my man. Uh, really enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great show, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, boys. Have, have a good weekend. There you go. Jeff Blair. And we are going to have a great weekend here. We're all sorts of fired up for it. Um, unfortunately, won't be watching any Canadian footy, but you will be able to watch a little bit of uh, elimination round. The round of 16 kicks off on a Saturday. And uh, the Blue Jays offseason is kind of starting to get going here. We saw Jose Abreu sign down in, down in Houston as uh, things are moving and shaking in the MLB as well, Don Mattingly hired as the bench coach mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. You like that move when it was done? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were, were were saying, oh, he's just the manager and waiting. But, you know, John yeah. Schneider just signed a three-year deal. I think it's more just cover for, for, uh, for John Schneider, give him a little more experience, a guy who's managed... Uh, you know, with the LA Dodgers, most recently with the Miami Marlins, I think it's just it's good, and I love what Jeff said. I know, like we went, where's Dante Bichette? Where's Dante Bichette? Because that was always a fun thing seeing uh, uh-huh. seeing him hanging around with Bo and Vladdy and, and Randall Grichuk and all those guys in 2021. 
I think they missed that. It was it was it was a tougher year last year. I think there wasn't a lot of, of fun, and you saw a little bit after Montoya got fired, uh, and they moved on to John Schneider. So I don't know I like the move. I think it just covers Schneider, gives him a little more experience in the in the in the in the room, just another some more eyes, more experience. Because John Schneider's, you know, this will be his first full time gig. You know, he was intern last mm-hmm. year. This will be, this will be a lot. So, and I get it. I get, yeah. You have Don Manningly. You have a, you have a guy with experience, and it just makes the logic. Well, if, if the Jays suck, you know, they're, they're forty eight and fifty five at around middle of July or whatever, and they fire John Schneider again. Well, it's, it's not going to happen. I just feel like not right now. I, I it's good. Winter meeting starting up next week. Might move a catcher. Hmm? Yeah, might move one of these catchers. They got three of them. That's too many catchers. That's too many. I know Danny Jansen's been getting... Uh, Don't you dare I trade know. Locomotive Kirk, or I, I swear I will go to Toronto and I will do nothing and about I, it, but I, I'll be sad. I think that's what the what the Jays realize as well, is like, well, we got Gabby Moreno, second best you know prospect in baseball, best catching prospect. He'll be up full time this year, and then you can, you can spell him with Kirk sometimes, but I think Kirk will eventually you know find his way over to the DH, and he'll see a lot more there, but... You know, it's tough. I don't want to lose Danny Jansen either because he's so clutch at points last year. But I think he's a solid catcher, and if he can help you get you an outfield arm in left field or maybe some more uh, relief depth, albeit I'm here for it. We're asking you on the text line today, 960-960, what do you suck at? After yesterday, Jacob Markstrom told everybody, uh, I suck at hockey right now. That's just the that's just the way uh, it I is. I suck at hockey right now. Suck at hockey right now. So what do you suck at? And uh, we're also going to give away some hockey tickets. Woo! How about that? Give away all the hockey tickets. The Flames going to welcome the Arizona Coyotes. So we've been asking you all day, what do you suck at? And we got some doozies uh, after we read a few earlier on. Like this one. I suck at trying to like the Leafs. I hate the Leafs. Johnny Mack from Ogden. Love that one. Uh, George Rustic, not here today, but he was kind enough to text into the show. He said he sucks at making NFL picks. He does right now. <laughs> no, it's been a tough year for him. Um, do you know how he, wh- what he had yesterday? He was Bills minus four? Yeah, he, was, he got it yesterday right. We were all right. The yesterday. coin got yesterday right the because he flipped coins right. for yeah. all of his picks this week. Yes. Also hit the under again. Yeah. Just saying. Um, Sandy sucks at pooping right now. Sorry, Sandy. A little more fiber in your life. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, suck at beer league. We're getting a lot of people who suck at beer league. I'm also one of those who sucks at beer league. I get to play tonight, though. I'm very excited. Um, Allen High River sucks so bad at being a beer league goalie. He just took all of his gear to the dump. Just said, no, you know what? I'm done here. This is enough. This one says, I suck at not getting booted out of the house by my old lady. That from Dan, who texts us from the doghouse. That'll be Dan. Uh, I hope you're warm. Maybe a little bit of hay in there or a little blanket or something. Uh, Just because I remember when I had the doghouse, there was a lot of hay in there when I was growing up. Uh, Blaine sucks at not sucking because he's amazing. Good for you, Blaine. Just love the confidence. So there's just a few of them. We got a couple of doozies as well. Uh, after Joe Beninati joins the program, we are going to uh, give away the tickets. So keep firing those in, 960-960. But around the corner, we are going to chat with Peter Lubardius. He'll join us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come on in and enjoy a hockey and football game day special, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Quick break. Lou joins us next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.